everyone, this is Read Watch Play. I'm Cleo. I'm Corinne. I'm Justin. And I'm James. And on this episode, we will be covering... Alter Carbon, written by Richard K. Morgan. Blade Runner, directed by Ridley Scott. And Gemini Rue, developed by Wadget Eye Games. All part of our sci-fi noir series of episodes. So Gemini Rue is still pretty fresh on my mind. And since that was like, you know, the last thing that we covered, I kept, I kept seeing references to the other two or at least to Blade Runner which also was referenced I believe by Altered Carbon um I mean there are a few things that are very explicit in Gemini Rue right where it's like um for instance when you have the the picture that you're zooming in on mm-hmm. a bunch to find like, the serial number of yeah. a ship right which is obviously just like a direct reference to in Blade Runner when he's yeah. zooming in on the photos to, to, um to find the snake the snake scale serial number right yeah Ooh, um, let's take a quick pause to just remind everyone that as with all of our topic episodes, this is spoiler heavy. Um, spoilers for Altered Carbon, Blade Runner, and Gemini Rue will just abound throughout the entire thing, like rabbits in a field. So, yeah, In cut. Australia. Yeah. That's when you know it's a problem. Yeah. Like a unicorn in a weird daydream. But that was topical. That was a Blade Runner reference. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway that is i don't don't i i i deserved the look for the rabbits one i was flying by the seat of my pants for that but the other one the other one made sense anyway so not to interject too much but as a quick reminder if you don't want those things spoiled wrong episode for you the very obvious things that are you know references to blade runner but i'm also wondering how much do you guys think that since blade runner was kind of the first major like thing that you can call sci-fi noir how much do you think that really just completely set the tone for all i don't want to say all future sci-fi noir but all exist currently existing sci-fi noir because everything we covered was so very heavily blade runnery well i feel like once we get the blade runner sequel it's going to stop influencing future sci-fi noir because it's going to be awful yeah that's going to retroactively ruin that film i forgot that that was happening i try to (sighs) sorry guys i didn't know that was happening and now i'm kind of sad yeah so, moment of silence. Yeah, for the Blade, for the Runner, Blade Runner property. property. <laughs> I, I don't want to call it a franchise because that's not what it's supposed to be, but yeah. that is what it is now. I, I mean, I think, I, I do think it's absolutely worth, it's like, it's completely true that Blade Runner is basically just throughout all of this stuff. It's It's impossible for the tone and style of Blade Runner to not just become the default tone and style of stories that are trying to fit that same box. Because... The interesting thing to me, and I, I'm I'm a huge film noir fan, and but within film noir itself, you see a lot more I want, diversity is not the right <laughs> word, I guess, but there's variation, very yeah. There's different types of stories and kind of settings that are explored in film noir, like the original genre of film noir, right? Yeah. Like there are some tropes that are fairly consistently, or, you know, they're not consistently present, but they're common, right? They're not, they're not in every single one of these films or books. If you're looking at like the hard boiled fiction sure. from the time, but like, you know, film noir really kind of came into its own post world war two. And it was exploring this, you know, post war world in which like, Okay, so who are we now? All these like characters typically tend to be veterans of the war, um, or you know they're somehow affected by it. And exploring not this like idealistic like the war is over and we won and everything is great, but it's like okay, what are our identities now that you know we had this experience? The world has completely changed, and we saw some really dark things. And now you know crime has changed, our lives have changed, culture has changed significantly, um, and it's just really interesting to see different directors and writers and actors tackle kind of that general idea and come out with some very different, I mean, film noir films, there are so many very, very different ones under that big umbrella. But when we're specifically looking at sci-fi noir, I feel like we're seeing a much narrower view. Yeah. I think that's a great way of putting it. Like basically, you know, Blade Runner comes into being and it's a, it's a sci-fi version of like a very specific, I would, I'd probably liken it to, I guess not to Chandler, but I, I mean, I'm, not sure of the best example, but it's it's you know a sci-fi retelling of a pretty typical noir story, mm-hmm. and then everybody else has been doing what Blade Runner did 
very, very slightly changed as opposed to trying to tell a, a different kind of noir story in a sci-fi setting. Right. I mean, how familiar are you all with noir kind of more broadly? Uh, fairly familiar, but not as, I would say, almost certainly less than less than you based on what, what we've talked about. Um, and honestly, less than I'd like to be. I know I've enjoyed a lot of uh, noir and hard-boiled stuff that I've come across, and I've come across a lot of things that are clearly inspired by it. But I, I, I think regrettably, I would say that I am more familiar with things that are inspired or influenced by it than I am with the actual source materials. I think if you if I were to go and like actually sit down and like take count, I, I think that's probably where I would fall. Yeah, I honestly like outside of the like the Raymond Chandler stuff and then uh Chinatown, I, I really have am completely out of my depth when it comes to noir. What about you, Corinne? I've seen I've seen some weird French noir because of this uh class i took in college um but in terms of like the the top hitters from i guess american noir i i'm not too familiar i mean i've seen the rugrats spoofs but that's not the same thing (laughs) (laughs) now we must go damn it we should have covered that yeah right hey don't worry that's that's a different the the rugrats the rugrats uh god what is it the the rugrats noir episode is actually really good have to revisit that now yep we'll just do like from now on our podcast is just about different variations of noir (laughs) god we could though i mean because we we joked about it a bit in sci-fi and the fact that you know a lot of stuff seems to have like come back to you know the same basic story but noir has spawned many 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 strange children it there's a lot of places where this kind of storytelling has kind of reached out i don't know if that's just because it's something that's inherently like really cool and kind of flexible and people just kind of took that way of thinking out into other things i don't know if it was really influential i don't know i mean obviously that's the case but i don't know if it's just kind of where where we are right now and that's just kind of i don't know maybe there's kind of like a general cycle for things that are of roughly a certain age to kind of come back and be reimagined and we're going to see you know, trends from a little bit later now start to be reimagined in those same ways or, or what. But yeah, I, we genuinely, we could go, I would bet money that we could go at least a few years just coming up with like noir variation topics and not really have a lot of significant overlap. That'll be our first spinoff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, what's funny is like, certainly not in film, but there's a little bit of this in literature. You don't see a lot of like, fantasy noir right god i wish that'd be so good like glenn cook writes um oh god i don't remember the the name of the series but there's like a private investigator in like a kind of fantasy world where it's like his clients are like elves and orcs and like things like that from what i i haven't read this but my i've i'm just picturing a story where like a like our reality pi like stumbles into narnia but can't get back and is just forced to live in a fantasy world and continue being a PI. Well, it's kind of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Which, why didn't we watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit, guys? <laughs> I mean, well, noir, not, yes, but sci-fi Not sci-fi now. noir. All right. When we do the spinoff series, we gotta hit Who Framed Roger Rabbit, because I freaking love that movie. It's been a long time for me, but I remember thoroughly enjoying it as a child. It's great. Anyway. <laughs> and it's interesting... To look at at noir through the lens of like Blade Runner and sci-fi noir to see what people believe is kind of like the core, like the essential ingredients for noir, right? Yeah. So it's like the main things are like there has to have been a even though in Blade Runner there wasn't a war, like there's no mention of like a war. If I'm correct, right? No, the closest we get is that like replicants tend like replicants have a, some of them rebel. Like it's not uncommon for what these this group has done to happen, which is why there are Blade Runners in the first place. Yeah, there was there was a, a rebellion on one of the uh, uh, off-Earth colonies that led to replicants being explicitly outlawed on Earth. But yeah, I, I don't think we have anyone who's explicitly a veteran thereof. It's, yeah. I mean, we've got, you've got Deckard, who is whatever he is, um, but closely from there, he's kind of 
ex-cop supposedly right so he's, he's not, not quite a veteran but he is retired from being the guy who hunt like being a replicant bounty hunter basically which yeah Blade Runners are. but again yeah. yeah not quite the same as that like veteran who moved into this other kind of potentially violent line of yeah. work it's that seems to be the starting point but he does have a past that is violent yes um and that was like part of the job description yeah and then the other thing yeah and the other you know the other main character trope is you have an anti-hero basically um or a protagonist who isn't you know a knight in shining armor you have someone who has a troubled past and is struggling with morality and ethics and like trying to figure out whether it's worth it to be a good person what does it mean to be a good person in this world that's inherently bad and they're you know typically very brooding and alcoholic and whatnot like this philip marlowe type right there's also that sense of humor that specifically comes with it uh with the territory where you're like kind of sarcastic and you know but really your sense of humor is just your way it's like a you know self-defense mechanism for trying to cope with the brutality of life and then you have like the femme fatale which is interesting because blade runner has rachel sure pretty typical femme fatale like not a very developed character never said noir was perfect has a lot a lot of problems um an altered carbon you oh i already forgot her name miriam bancroft, bancroft. yeah yeah and then with Gemini Rue, you really, I mean, like... Didn't really have one. Yeah, like, I like... Sayuri is the closest, but she's not, like... She's just another, you know, character. She's not, like... She doesn't really tick off any of the femme fatale boxes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's... I liked that about it. I liked that it didn't feel... The game... Or the people who made the game didn't feel the need to, like, make this, you know, that character in that very typical way. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Gemini Rue is, like, probably by far the... The least problematic. Oh yeah. Of of the three. Definitely, like five hundred percent, considering <laughs> how problematic Alter Carbon is, yeah. and then also Blade Runner. Both. Uh, okay, we 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 talked about it. I will breathe now. I I genuinely wonder um, if that's to do with just its brevity. Like I I yeah. not not to say yes or no or make any assumptions about anyone who worked on the game or any anything like that. But I'm genuinely curious about just like if it had more time to it just if it was like a longer experience, would that would it start feeling would it I wonder if the pressure to include that kind of a femme fatale character would have would have increased to kind of like keep ramping up that noir aspect. So I'm I'm really I'm really curious about that. I It feels like I don't know, I'm curious. Not for any real reason other than like I wonder if that was like a really explicit choice or if it was just like it didn't feel like it fit in the otherwise the relatively um trimmed down story except for the you know long circular roundabout um time waster stuff um <laughs> when you are progressing the story you are progressing the story so i'm really curious about that if that was like a conscious decision or if it was just like a thing that didn't make it in it felt conscious to me just because i feel like you when you have a trope that big that it's like so pervasive and you choose not to like mm. follow through on it in that very standard way that that has to be like a choice a conscious decision you made it would be like i was trying to think of another i was like if you're trying to write like a high fantasy that's very like tolkien-esque and you're like except for we're not gonna have elves like that's a choice i don't know that's not a, i don't know i'm trying to like think of an equivalent and that was what came I mean, to that, my head yeah, that works you. it makes sense to me yeah i'm on board with that elves man but it's okay. So the typical question that, or one of the typical questions we usually ask during our kind of like topic episodes is, okay, which of these worlds would we prefer to live in? But honestly, these three worlds are so similar. I almost feel like it's the exact same thing, and it's it's not the same question as it has been in our other topic episodes. Yeah, I think that was. I mean, just to expand on that just like a little bit more, right? That was that was kind of like the big surprise that I think we all kind of had coming out of Gemini, or at least for me, was it, the big twist in that game was not something that the writers put in but oh shit twist this is the same story as everything else we've done for this roughly but you know and i yeah i don't know if i could say which world i would rather live in i'm gonna say altered carbon because it seems the least damp <laughs> too much rain in the other worlds if i wanted that much rain i'd move to portland there it is <laughs> Um, yeah, I, Ultra Carbon is still the one that stands out. It's, I mean, it is the one that is built out the best, um, and you have the best idea of, of what it's really like, but it does come down to the, the idea of, of like, um, 
of, of sleeving and re-sleeving and, and, you know, consciousness being treated the way it is in that world is still very an alluring thing for me. Yeah, I think it's really hard for me to say largely because, and we touched on this a little bit in, in our Gemini Rue episode, I we don't really know all that much about Gemini Rue as like a world overall, right? We've got, um, and we've got this small insight to set, uh, was it uh center seven and that seems pretty shit so not great there and then we've got baracus i guess is how they're i i have i don't know what in what world that is not pronounced baracus but whatever um another thing that was pronounced differently by different characters within the game okay yeah i okay i'm not crazy about that cool okay that honestly that helps a lot because i genuinely thought i was going nuts but yeah so we've got that that doesn't seem like a really great spot to be either you're just largely you know mob rule um Weather towers exist and they make it rain all the time. And for some reason, this is essential to mining, which is essential to fueling spaceships. Yeah. I don't know what all that was about, but. And for some reason, blowing up a weather tower that was not operating ruined all of this and maybe destroyed Barakas the planet. Oh, yeah. That's another thing we didn't get payoff for. That's like, what's the list up to now? Like six? Yeah. All right. Though I did like the juice angle on that. Just like if you destroy the drugs, they can't get, they can't pay. Yeah, you just ruin the barcoon. Or at least that like chapter or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was kind of cool. Anyway. um, But yeah, so I feel like that's kind of the tough thing there is like, I probably would not want to live in, in that part of Gemini Rue that we saw, but I, I don't know that I necessarily got like a great sense for like what the world is like overall. It seems not great though, but it makes me hard to say. It's that one a hard pick. I don't know if I would do Alter Carbon or Blade Runner though. I almost want to say Gemini Rue because they have the clunky technology kind of like in Battlestar Galactica, mm. how on the actual like Battlestar, it's all the old technology. And so it's just like clunky phones and like things like that. And that was very, and it's also in Blade Runner, but I felt like Gemini Rue kind of did it more on purpose to make it feel old and like very not contemporary at all, where it's just like very, it seems like a very dated vision of the future, even though it is like a it, this game is not very old at all yeah um whereas blade runner just feels dated yeah yeah I um, agree with that. and i kind of like the idea of like oh we're in this and it makes sense with noir also right where things are kind of feeling like and it, it it reminded me a little bit of radiance as well actually which has also had sci-fi noir aspects along with looper so we've actually covered several other things not within this you know series that fit in the category yeah that's a good point yeah <laughs> But I don't know. Blade Runner had some really that food market, man. Yeah, that's just for the food. Yeah, <laughs> maybe Blade Runner. The relative pervasiveness of snake shows. Yeah, man. I could get behind snake shows. Snake shows and ramen. <laughs> like, what else can you ask for? I don't know. I want all of my entertainment and food to be elongated tubes. <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh... Oh, I think that's my favorite preference you've ever expressed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess the world of Gemini Rue, right, is there's the most room for hope. It certainly seems that way. In right. Some the, ways. Yeah. That like that is like you might you might just be getting a really shitty slice of this otherwise pretty like decent to live in universe. Yeah. Versus like Blade Runner and Alter Carbon are pretty well established to be like kind of shitty universes overall. I don't know. We went out to space and decided that everything needed to be named after the Zodiac. Just like in Battlestar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's it's weird because, again, these worlds are so similar, right? Because we chose the three things, we titles we chose all had like, you know, this is a sci-fi universe in which space travel, like extensive space travel is happening, like different solar systems and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, this isn't like with Looper where we're still on Earth and it's just like a little bit in the future. Um, if we were contrasting like Blade Runner and Looper, like that's, you know, those are very different universes. Sure. But this is all kind of like that space opera sci-fi noir, right? Like the world is giant, which I guess, again, makes sense a little bit with the noir thing. Because, you know, with World War II, I think afterwards the world maybe seemed a little smaller just because so many people had been, you know, overseas and there was a lot more news coming in from other countries and nations. And it's, you know, there was so much more interconnectedness between different countries after the war um, that maybe... It you know this it makes sense that like for these kind of space opera sci fi noirs we have like oh and 
and the, the other you know solar system is just like a few like whatever t- time how I don't know, units for space travel away yeah. no i get it's you. clearly parsecs parsecs yeah yeah um, no yeah i think that makes a lot of sense and i don't know i just kind of i because i love sci-fi noir as like an idea i do wish that some like the creators authors what have you would try to take a little bit of a different approach from the very standard blade runner kind of thing right like i like there to be a mystery because noir is always you know there's always a crime element you're always trying to solve a crime it seems to be the same crime kind of repeating itself over and over again because like altered carbon blade runner and gemini you have the question of like oh identity like are we really who we think we are like all the protagonists have a you know realization or i guess not in altered carbon so much he doesn't have a so much of like a moment he doesn't have like a deckard well deckard doesn't yeah. even have that moment i guess right where he's wondering <laughs> the audience has the moment for deckard where they're like is he uh replicant or not um it's only in gemini rue where he like self-reflects and re- or does he doesn't even have some, it's told to him he doesn't need to reflect yeah. to find it out like oh you're not who you think you are you have this other past you're charlie or not charlie yeah charlie you're yeah. charlie delta six Azrael daniel yeah charlie 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 i'm gonna say that every time oh even uh gemini rue also had uh asian flair to it oh yeah because yen was the currency and the briakuden was the mafia gang and there were two asian characters the shop owner and sayuri yeah which i like better than like blade runner which has like no asian characters but like an asian setting which firefly also does Love Firefly, but why are there no fucking Chinese characters in a universe where there's where, like, like China and the U.S. seem to be like what has yeah subsumed, yeah. That's something that's a pet peeve of mine in science fiction. Anything that's like oh, like this is a universe in which this nation and this nation have combined to like a giant superpower, and it's like we still only see white people. Yeah, and everybody's white. <laughs> and I guess the other main question, right, with all three of these titles, because the other thing for typical noir or not the original noir, let's say, is there's, like, the sense of, like, nihilism. And, the again, the existential questions of, like, you know, is it worth it to... What does existence mean in this new world? Like, how do we know who we are? And is it worth it to try to be a good person? And what like how does one try to be a good person in a world where, like, you have to kind of be a little bit bad to survive and everybody else seems to be, like, fully bad most of the time? And so how successfully do you think all three of these things kind of tackle that... And it's so easy, you know, keep in mind, it's so easy to fall into the trap of like, oh, let's just have it be a doom and gloom kind of ending because that's what's edgy and feels kind of realistic, I guess. I mean, I think part of it for these three is that they take it like even further, right? Where film noir was about, you know, who am I in this new world? What does it mean to, to you know, to do this and and to be a good person and, and sort of all that kind of stuff. And this takes it down to the even more basic, like what does it mean to be me? What makes me who I am? Like if, if I am to write the idea of, of memories being erased and new consciousness is being created. Like, do I, am I still the same person? Like all of that kind of stuff. Um, I, I think almost the, the focus of these was to take the sort of, real existential questions of like life and and just take them further um and almost end up like ignoring those original questions kind of completely i guess gemini rue maybe still explores it to an extent right because it gets into the idea of like everybody has a conscience and through years of earned experience and buildup of these memories you can quash down the the sort of I, like ideas, I guess that your conscience, your conscience would give you, right? And and that you know the this natural idea that this thing I'm about to do is bad, right? And that, but you do it because you have to, and then you keep doing it, and then eventually that that like you know trigger in your mind just kind of stops. But the idea that like resetting your memories also resets your conscience because you don't have these now lived experiences that sort of overwrote this natural altruism that I guess Gemini Rue is claiming people to have. Or at least some people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I guess, I guess as we were going through them, I thought of 
Gemini Rue as kind of simultaneously like the most and least traditionally noir. Like it seemed, you know, in imagery at least during the Asriel sections, that's that's where it seemed like you're the most just like explicitly noir. Yeah, right down to the trench coat. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, it seems like the kind of thing where it, it that seemed much more like a sci-fi story with noir trappings. Like it was explicitly like an an aesthetic or an affectation, you know, that it had sort of put on in for just like a way to present itself. And I, it, as it got on and it did start dealing with those kind of questions of identity, you see some of the connections uh, a little bit better. I guess that also then becomes the place where it almost starts becoming even more so is when it starts like really explicitly talking about like what does it mean to be you in this situation and dealing with complications between difficult life scenarios and kind of the murky reality versus sort of idealized senses of right and wrong but i don't know i that was the big thing for me is at least it, it at least specifically talking about to what extent these things sort of embody those traditionally or classically noir elements i it felt for me like at least in gemini rue a lot of it was was window dressing um but i don't know i think blade runner does the best job i can say that i think just overall I, I think that Blade Runner is kind of the strongest. I mean, just overall, I think it's the strongest of the, the three things that we that, yeah, we, that just we picked. In in any number of ways. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, right, that we're pulling these other two things into a conversation with Blade Runner, which is always going to come out. It's like, well, these things were clearly inspired by Blade Runner and is just kind of known as being kind of a classic thing. So that's, it's it's unfortunate to hold them up to that. But I do think that in the in the noir elements, that was the one for me that seemed like it actually got to the things that, those more the big idea things that attracted me to noir uh i think it does the best job with and i think i don't know i guess for me that's by kind of doubling down on the sci-fi trappings um and like imagery but then keeping the noir ideas whereas i i guess i think altered carbon and gemini rue kind of go the other way they kind of push a lot of the sci-fi big ideas in a sci-fi setting with like a, a noiry kind of protagonist or it's like oh we're going to throw this like femme fatale in here because that's a noir thing to do and we're gonna have like a guy in like a trench coat and it's gonna rain all the time and i don't know i guess i guess that's where i'd land on that where uh, but it also seems the less obvious for it so I don't know, maybe i'm wrong but have any of you seen dark city mm. no? no no all right so that was our other kind of major option for film for sci-fi noir but um, and I know it has like a huge cult following, and like some people just absolutely love that movie. Uh, I am not one of those people. I I want to like it because it's on top of being sci-fi noir, it's just like weird and trippy, and has Jennifer Connelly in it. And I love Jennifer Connelly, and it's it's like it's mind bendy in a way that I don't think a lot of other sci-fi noir really is. Um, but like the storytelling is a little bit weird and like, I don't know, the writing of the script is a little, it leaves one wanting somewhat, but it's kind of the least typical sci-fi noir title that I can think of where it has some of the, like the look and feel the atmosphere is very noirish, right? It's like everyone's wearing dark trench coats and like there's crime and that you have a anti-hero who seems to be some kind of serial killer, um, that's not a spoiler, really. Uh, it's right from the get-go. And you have Jennifer Connelly playing this like, femme fatale type character, but um, not as nearly strong of a film or a story as Blade Runner. So I think we made the right choice, but I think it would be interesting to, like, you know, it's an interesting... If you're into sci-fi noir and into seeing something that's not exactly the same as all these other things we've talked about, that's something definitely to take a look at. Which means it's on my list now. <laughs> um, But... Yeah, it's one of those, it's an interesting subgenre in general, because I feel, and again, I'm a little bit, I'm already feeling a little bit down on Blade Runner in general, just because of um, problems that we discussed before, right? With like sure. depiction of Rachel and like, you know, how Decker treats her. And then also just kind of like some other just unfortunate tropes that they used. But I almost want to blame Blade Runner even though it's not Blade Runner, it's not the you know Blade Runner's fault. It's the people who kind of like decided to model their own stories like almost completely after it, um, in a way where it just feels like a lot of this stuff is kind of Blade Runner fan fiction. Yeah, I think that's a really good description. I I'm I'm really looking forward to the point where 
we start seeing like a lot of like different subfamilies of this and you you can trace some stuff back to Blade Runner just as one of those early things to have done this, but it's not quite so, I don't know, not quite so obvious apparent, like banging you over the head with it. Just like we are working really hard to be Blade Runner mm-hmm. or like we all saw Blade Runner and that's just like the template for this thing. And even if it's not conscious, that's just what everyone keeps ending up with. Kind of like, you know, even with like survival horror as a video game genre, right? It's like at one point, not everything was Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah. Kind of less let resident evil other influences could be cited yeah let's yeah. put it that way yeah no yeah, I, like, I think that's a really good point it's like one of the like you look at at joe and i were right in unbrockets and it's always raining and uh azrael was clearly designed to just basically be deckard um and it's like there's a reason for the rain but I would put money on the fact that they designed the world first and then came up with a reason to explain the rain, not the other way around. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah, this this is definitely, like, Blade Run the game in template form. Yeah, I would agree with that, which is too bad. I I don't know. I always, I, I'm always way more excited when someone really kind of makes a bit more of a jump, like, even if it doesn't, like, work 100%, right? But... Yeah, like I, I would probably be more enthusiastic about ge- a game like Gemini Rue that is less like Blade Runner, even if it's not as good. Yeah. Weirdly, if there was like another one of the series that we've done in the past that I would pair with this one, it would probably be a, the Escape series, because we also face that question of identity, right? Like we found yeah. out that all these these things with the you know a theme of escape in them. We're also tackling identity, like Ship of Theseus type things. And that is certainly very relevant. Ship of Theseus is very relevant to all these things. And for people who aren't familiar, it's um, or haven't listened to every single one of our episodes in the past. Okay, first of all, shame on you. (laughs) Go listen. (laughs) What kind of fans are you? Um, The idea is like, okay, if you have a ship, it gets like worn down over the years and you um, take like pieces of it off and replace it with new pieces at what point is it no longer that original ship and so gemini rue right that that was pretty much yeah, the, yeah. with with the interesting subclause to ship of theseus that you are also using those removed pieces to build another ship because right that was the difference between ship of theseus and lock socks oh right it was like lock socks you just patch over the holes and at what point are they new yeah socks? once it's entirely patches are they new socks or yeah but then Ship of Theseus, and again, I don't know to what degree they really got into it, but yeah, it came up with like that really interesting extra wrinkle of... With, you replace you, the part of the ship. Yeah, you replace then, it with a new part, but you take the old part and you use that old part to build another ship. ship. At the end of it, like what one is the original ship? Yeah. Or like, you know, if you make a, a motorcycle out of stolen parts, is the motorcycle stolen? question really think about that last one (laughs) (laughs) but it's like with with gemini rue right it kind of they tackle the idea is okay instead of like ship parts it's like memories right so like if you have the the body and you know essentially the same consciousness like the same thing that you identify as like i or me like and you completely erase all your old memories and replace them with new ones or you just start from scratch have your memory get amnesia start from scratch with memories are you still the same person as before like is you know like say a racist but Azrael, like oh is that essential Azrealness still there or are you a new person and that's like a little bit i mean there are people in the world in real life who you know have memory problems and they get amnesia and they don't remember shit um so that's like a little bit more applicable to our our everyday lives whereas alter carbon and um Blade Runner, you're talking about androids and memory and downloading your memory, uploading your memory and like basically essentially having your consciousness cloned. And at what point, like, does your old self just die? And at what point, like, do you, is that really continuity? Is there, is there really continuity there? Like, is that your consciousness that's gone elsewhere? Or is it just like, you know, a copy and pasted file? Yeah. And I think it's, particularly interesting in the context of Blade Runner, right? Where the way that you have the, the, that new generation of replicants is by implanting them with people's memories and that that like helps develop personality and that helps like really helps kind of that extra step towards them feeling human. But at the same time, so you've got someone like, someone like Rachel, right? Who 
has these memories, but it turns out that they are just from uh, like someone's niece, right? It was like the uh, the guy's niece, Tyrell, right? No, yeah, I, I think it is Tyrell's niece. I, I couldn't remember whose niece it was, but I think it I is. Think it was, yeah, I think yeah. it is just Dr. Tyrell. But so you've got all this, and yeah, so it's it certainly seems to make the argument that yeah, those memories are a lot of who you are, but it also I don't, we never meet Tyrell's niece, but I don't know that we could necessarily say that like Rachel is necessarily the same person or who, you know, Tyrell's niece might grow into or anything like that. And it also, you know, certainly seems that the replicants before they were given false memories, it's not that they were not getting like fed up with their lives or anything like that. It just seems to be that this is like some sort of a, like another layer that just intensifies that, right? Because there were the revolts before these memories were being given to replicants. There were still you know, issues we just don't knowingly meet any replicants who don't have some set of false memories i think it would be really interesting and i don't think i've seen this done anywhere but to kind of have a story that approaches that problem of like okay identity and like copied memories and our memories really like who you, what makes you you and kind of maybe not like in a like overt kind of way but compare it to the idea of like reincarnation right so it's like if you've had past lives and you were different people with different memories you know different gender different personality type even kind of or like you know different preferences and then you're reincarnated into somebody else who's like physically different emotionally kind of like different how can you but the, the, the idea is like the soul is the same then like how much is are you really that old person also and like what is the soul even if it's if so much else can like change about you everything that's all obvious can change um then what makes that still you somehow i think that's just like an interesting comparison between these two kind of things yeah it's a hard question let's turn to avatar the last airbender to answer this one by all means i have no follow-up to that <laughs> so you're gonna I have to run to... this one <laughs> i was like yeah that's all you i i've not seen the show oh okay never mind then i don't want to spoil it it's one of the greatest cartoons i've ever watched in my life not to build it up or anything. Yep. No, but I would just, and again, I've mentioned this game several times over past episodes, but Soma also tackles these questions about consciousness and like copying. And okay, that's a huge spoiler for Soma, but I've talked about it already. I've spoiled it for everyone. And it's an older game by now. Not older. It's like a year old. Whatever. Fuck it. I spoiled it. It's fine. Every, no, it was in the trailer. Everyone who's ever going to play Soma <laughs> knows that that's like a question that Soma tackles. It's about robots and consciousness. All right, guys? Like, listen, all I'm saying is I didn't know that. I've mentioned it several times. No, robots? I mean, okay. I mean before you mentioned oh, it Oh, before I mentioned time. it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> robots. Robots? <laughs> Back to that again. Yeah, everyone watch Westworld because this is also actually, it is relevant to all the things we've been talking about. I don't know. Why would it be relevant? It's not like there's robots or anything. What? Anyway. <laughs> So it turns out, not even just sci-fi noir, but sci-fi in general, it turns out, comes back to this question a lot. Yeah. It's it's, pretty, it's specifically kind of like particularly funny to me that uh, all these sci-fi noir th- um, titles that talk about like question identity and like, you know, what makes you you, are, the noir aspect of like the character who's the, you know, the, the private eye, the investigator who is a little bit of like a stock character at this point, even though they're always placed in the protagonist role. Um, it's like, you know, brooding private investigator or like, you know, some kind of detective. Um, they all kind of look and act like Deckard. They all have that like Philip Marlowe, that voice, right? And like that, the same sense of humor and everything. And to specifically be tackling the question of identity when so many of these protagonists are like identical and kind of a little bit one dimensional. And it's like, oh yeah, I can like do an impression of a film noir, you know, leading man. It's interesting. I, I kind of wish that someone would almost parody that a little bit of like, oh, yeah, the reason why he's so one dimensional and seems like every other film noir, you know, investigator is because like his identity was written by someone who just like quickly whipped up this his personality. Yeah, I, that could be a lot of fun. So it, talking about some of these broader things, I I'm really curious. Clear, you talked about um, how like kind of the classic noir stuff really seem to deal with this idea of like having to be a little bit bad just to survive in kind of a world and finding yourself in this kind of brave new world of post world war two, the world. Do you think that focusing on something that is 
relatively specific like that makes some of these questions uh, potentially a bit stronger or potentially a bit weaker than what the sci-fi stuff that we've been going through seems to be getting at, which are much bigger, broader, not necessarily even like more existential questions, but it certainly seems like there's there's a there's a difference in scope, right? It's it's about what is it to be conscious, what is it to be you just in general, not just like what is it to be in this world that suddenly doesn't seem so simple anymore, that has had kind of its its first real, for lack of a better term, right, like supervillain for kind of a while. Like pre-Hitler, we had a pretty solid run of no one being quite that terrible. Do you think that having that real world kind of time and place that you can reference it to that, you know, everyone has had this, just had to go through World War II in whatever capacity, do you think that that helped it? Do you think that the change in scale maybe affects it somehow? Because I don't know, for me, for whatever reason, whenever I think about these things, whenever a I like whenever something does just a pretty okay job at talking about something bigger like this, it seems to fall flat for me, at least. It it seems like it's not that hard to just point at big questions of consciousness and just be like, well, I don't know. And that I don't know feels a lot less meaningful to me than it does in some of those noir things, right? Like it, I don't know, to go back to something like, like uh, Justin, you were talking about Chinatown, right? Like, no spoilers for Chinatown, but a lot of that movie is exactly that. It's kind of the dealing with an imperfect world and trying to kind of do the best you can in that. And for whatever reason, for me, that seems to almost strike a more meaningful chord, even though it's dealing with a much smaller question. Do you think that that expansion into kind of the bigger, broader universe of sci-fi helps it, or do you think that it maybe inflates it too much i think that like the one major story we are definitely or you know there's room for a lot of these stories but the kind of story that we're missing in sci-fi noir right now um is that kind of smaller scale kind of more typical film noir story where it's like yes it's everyone knows like all film noir is basically about world war ii and post world war ii even if they're not like going around telling stories about the war and it's like a huge deal that like, Oh, I'm going to go find my war buddy or whatever who is missing. Um, there also fun fact, uh, not so fun. Actually, there was a sequel to Chinatown that, um, oh, Jack no. Nicholson directed. And I think also wrote, and I couldn't get through it. It was oh, very, really, it was I knew really he bad. Re- like reprised his role, but I didn't know he was that involved. Oh yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It was not it's called the two Jakes. It's, it's so bad. I tried and I couldn't, um, Anyway, anyway. <laughs> uh, failure, failures in neo-noir. But um, I think, yeah, I what I really would like to see in sci-fi noir is like a smaller scale story. Like you can have this like, you know, extravagant backdrop of like space travel and everything. But I, it's like noir is supposed to be, in my mind, like essential noir is smaller stories about people who are just kind of like trying to survive and like do their job. But it is it's more it's about human interaction. It's 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 not about so much like, oh, let's solve all the big questions right here. It's more like, okay, I'm going to tackle this own question and what it means for me. And somehow by exploring that, maybe we will like kind of crack open what this means for like humanity at large, right? But noir and people I think don't think of noir as being character driven a lot of the time but I think it like very much is and when you kind of like really dive into it it's like the most interesting relationship tends to be between the protagonist and the villain not like the you know the femme fatale because people were not writing female characters without any realistic depth whatsoever it's typically like who is like the big bad boss and who in your hero who isn't really much of a hero at all like how are they going to like deal with this person and like what does it mean for them like in like how they how they identify like on the ethical spectrum of people in this universe um and kind of like yeah tackling these giant questions of consciousness like and like all these kind of like bigger like who am i like what does it mean to exist even like i think you know there's a place for those stories and we already have a lot of those stories so i think 
now moving forward is the time to kind of shrink things down a little bit and like doesn't mean you can't have like spaceships and like laser guns and things like that in your sci-fi noir story but it's more important to kind of show characters in a smaller world almost if that makes sense like their own personal world is more about themselves than the big picture it's sort of like the the noir e story that we were getting in Radiance, right? That portion of it, right? That mm-hmm. was like the movie within the book, with the movie within the movie within the book, within whatever that, however deep that went. But cannot stress enough. Go read Radiance. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was one of the most just wonderful surprises I think that we've had yeah. on on this podcast. I can't can't go back and recommend that enough. Um, but it's you know it's this sort of it's this small-ish noir story that's happening just on another planet and like yeah space travel is a thing and look there's a spaceship flying away right now but like i'm here on this planet this is my world this is what matters this is the story that's being told like that would be a great kind of story to have so uh so it seems that it seems that sci-fi noir very specifically exists to explore the ideas of consciousness can you see a way to have a story be sci-fi noir and not have the sci-fi portion of it just be window dressings i actually think i can answer that because one of the big things that i kept thinking about cleo as you were kind of giving that description is i kept going back to blade runner Um, And the fact that I think that we kind of fell into a very similar trap to what we were describing when we were talking about Blade Runner, and that is getting way too hung up on the whether Deckard is a replicant question. And as we kind of came out of that and we, you know, went through the other things that we did and everything seemed to be touching on these ideas of consciousness, I think that through that, we, it's the same deal. We got too hung up on that part of Blade Runner. And I think that maybe this is why Blade Runner feels the most noir to me is that at the end of the day, I think the real story in Blade Runner is what you were talking about. It's Deckard and the, the villain. I forgot his name. Roy. Roy. Yeah. It's Deckard and Roy. Like that's the more interesting relationship and it's Roy and Tyrell and it's that villain. And the thing that makes Roy a compelling villain is, is his humanity it's his tears in the rain speech you know it's you know it, again to go back to you know, another kind of famous film ending speech right it's the it, it's the speech at the end of casablanca right you know it's the you know all of our problems just like a hill of beans kind of stuff like that it that that reminder that the characters are small and maybe that's it and that in these noir stories you have just the corruption and the war and these bigger forces that are pulling and pushing people around. So you focus on those people and that's what you get in Blade Runner that I don't think you really get in Gemini Rue or in Altered Carbon quite as well. And you get that personable story. And the question, the, the more interesting question to me is, you know, why is Roy's life as a replicant valued less than someone else's life as a person because it certainly seems that even if he's only four years old and his memories are false those memories that he formed in those four years that he's talking about still die with him and isn't that just as sad as anyone else dying at least to me it seems like that's maybe that's what makes that really great and it seems like that's the part that at least in the inspirations a lot of people are missing People take the window dressing. They take the is Deckard a replicant question because the movie ends on that. I think almost unfortunately so. Yeah. Now that I go back and like say this out loud, like, God, what a bummer that is. It that it pulls the question away from, I think, the real strength of the movie. And I think the question it's we talked about this a little bit, but the whole question of whether Deckard is a replicant, I really don't care. Yeah. It, is the bigger thing that I'm coming more and more around to, but that seems to be what most people want to talk about. So I don't know. So I guess it's that. And so then Corinne, to bring this back around to answering what you were saying, I think that Blade Runner kind of does like it uses the sci-fi to bring up that question of the sci-fi creates the replicants. The replicants create Roy. Roy is interesting because his questions of 
consciousness, but just in general and relationship to Deckard come down to the, you know, kind of doesn't everyone matter? How much do those memories matter? Isn't it, you know, sad no matter what when someone dies and just kind of like fighting for that survival and to have been put in this position by the Tyrell Corporation. Like he doesn't have a choice in any of that, who who he was, when he was created, when he was born. He just has he took what he was given and built the best, most authentic life he could out of that. And he's being punished for it for reasons that are totally beyond his control. Even just the whole sense that like replicants can't be on Earth, right? It that's just kind of the hand he was dealt and he was willing to go against that to try and find some way to I don't know, preserve his life and the lives of those closest to him. I don't know. So I guess maybe that's it for me is that that's kind of the way that you would do it. Even if you are, even if you insist on getting into consciousness, you'd have to, I think like the best sci-fi, the sci-fi is just the way that you bring about this other thing, or it's some way that you create a metaphor for something else that you didn't feel comfortable saying in real world terms. I mean, clearly you and I've talked about Ursula K. Le Guin a lot mm -hmm. in, she did like a great interview a little while ago. I want to say with the New Yorker, but I could be wrong. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Where she talked a lot about that, where she was just like, yeah, like I, I just felt a lot more comfortable expressing these ideas that were straight out of her real world life in the medium of science fiction. And you go back and you look at like uh, the dispossessed, right? Huge, wonderful, broad sweeping ideas of communication and socialism versus capitalism and kind of the flaws and successes of both and like the big failure of those two systems being the walls that they create between each other and just that she felt the better way she could express that was through science fiction so i guess it would be something like that it it would be something like blade runner except you end the movie before the is deckard a replicant bit oh my god the theatrical cut was better than the director's cut shit <laughs> wow that was a good runner also I, has like that was a journey guys do yeah. i do i genuinely think that i i think you just i think you, what you genuinely think is that the director's cut is the best version of the movie provided you go with the theatrical version's ending i don't know because i'm okay with bringing up the question of whether or not deckard is a replicant that just shouldn't be the ending scene yeah, because it should gives be a, it too much importance. Yeah, that should be a question throughout the movie that it is brought up and you are able to question and piece together. But it's wrong, I, I think, to give A, what a lot of people see as a definitive answer. And it's wrong to make that the ending of the film because that focuses you too much on an area where the film is weaker. That's an interesting question, but it's not the question of the movie. I also think that question just does not really matter yeah. unless you're looking at, like, unless Deckard has to deal with it. Unless he has to like yes face off against it and like come to terms with it somehow, and because Blade Runner two, <laughs> oh, oh God. boy, because like the thing is like I think we can all agree probably that Roy and the other like replicants they are like the most interesting characters of Blade Runner. I would say Roy hands down is the most significant, most important, most interesting character. Yeah, personally. I agree. Um, and the question and then the relationship between Roy and Deckard. That becomes significantly more interesting if Deckard is facing this question of, am I like him in more ways than I realized previously? Like, am I also a replicant? And because in the best noir titles, I feel that the question that's kind of looming over the entire story and the protagonist is like, okay, here's this guy who's like a villain, right? Or on occasion, here's this woman who's like the head honcho villain, very rarely. And here I am, and I've done some questionable things as well. Um, and but where is the line between me and this person who I'm considering like the big bad? Like, how similar am I to him? And like, what really makes us different? Like, am I can I really say I'm a better person than him? And if my life had gone differently, would I be in his shoes? Would I be doing the exact same things? Like, can I really feel like I'm a better person than this person? Because it could just be like a few little different life choices or like circumstances thrust upon you that would have made you into like you know this mob boss is like drug dealer this you know war i don't know the different the list the long list of different type of villains you have in noir films and books and titles of all sorts um and you're looking specifically at deckard and roy if deckard has to face that question of like 
oh my God, like what would I be driven to do if I knew I only had like however many years left to live and like people, I wasn't really like a human and people didn't think of me that way. Like, would I have done the same thing maybe? Yeah. Not in that like awful, you know, Joker in the killing joke kind of way. Like, oh, everyone has a point of madness and they become an evil bastard like at a certain point when they have shit done to them. Yeah. But in that much more like realistic human way. Yeah. Not a fan of the killing joke, by the way. <laughs> that wasn't clear yeah and i mean i guess there is the argument that deckard is dealing with that throughout the movie but we don't see it explicitly like as he becomes aware of the idea that you can have that kind of a replicant he has i don't know certain encounters i don't even just like the way that he that he sees the little unicorn at the end like it seems like the kind of thing where if if the interpretation is and from what i've read it is that that confirms that he is a replicant because other people can know about this private daydream of his, then I don't know, his reaction to it seems to be, it almost seems like he's been wondering that too, based on his almost sort of blasé reaction. It's just like, well, so I guess this is the confirmation. And so there we go. I don't know. I, yeah, no, I completely agree that that ending sequence with Roy becomes way more interesting if you are questioning whether or not Deckard is a replicant. So it's important that that's there, but that's not the ending of the movie. I think is yeah all right well there we go we fixed blade runner <laughs> look, yes. out for, look out for the read watch play edit coming soon they just mix up all the scenes <laughs> they don't make sense because we just chopped it and put it out of order wait who was it was it toby mcguire the or, star wars thing yeah yeah okay who yeah re-edited the people? no not toby mcguire um tover grace tover grace yeah some t-named white man actor who was in spider-man oh were they both in spider-man three uh <laughs> sorry i keep bringing up things you guys would rather forget that's a that's it's like the matrix movies like it's a shame they never made, made a third one yeah exactly yeah. even with the matrix movies two is shaky yeah don't <laughs> another even, time <laughs> i was gonna say don't even get me started on the hobbit nope oh god okay bringing it back yeah bringing it back to blade runner to our ending yeah um so if we're if we're wrapping it there it was, a, it was a good topic. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm yeah. excited to potentially do other like noirish spinoff topics later and compare it to sci-fi noir. Yeah. Yeah. Rugrats. Rugrats. Rugrats noir, noir. episode. <laughs> Cartoon noir. Yeah. That would work. Just do Roger Rabbit and Rugrats and <laughs> call it a day. Else. Yeah. I'm excited to eventually get into because my money's on we're eventually going to do some kind of a cyberpunk. Uh, Have to. It just, it's just going to happen. It. It. Yeah. Eventually, right? Um, I'm excited to compare those two things together because I that strikes me as like the other route that like sci-fi noir took into but into like a genre that was explicitly its own and why if anyone's curious why we explicitly didn't do a bunch of like cyberpunk stuff even though it really kind of does an interesting job with approaching some of these similar noiry themes we we designated that as a topic unto itself um, yeah so all that'll be cool so stay tuned for future topics but. For right now, stay tuned for a very explicit future topic, which is Corinne. Girls with gifts gathered by the government. And that's going to be starting with our next episode, which is going to be Firestarter. Firestarter? Firestarter by Stephen King. I say it, you know, I've said it so many times now for all of these, and every single time I think that it's wrong. (laughs) But that's okay, because after that, we're going to be doing Stranger Things Season 1. Cannot stress enough, the entire Season 1. Lots of content. Start now if you're watching with us. After that, we're going to be doing Beyond Two Souls or Ellen Page the Game. We've gotten we've gotten this down pretty good. Um, but yeah, and we're going to do another topic episode and then we're going to do something else. We don't know yet. Yes, we do. No, we don't. No, we don't. Ah, we don't. Ah, right, the first cool. time in a while. We don't know. Um, yeah, so you can... have to know yet, guys. You can come discover that with us. Uh, until then, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Read, Watch, Play. If you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is to tell your friends about the show. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to find us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at rwbpodcast, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rwbpodcast, check out our Tumblr at rwbpodcast.tumblr.com, and look out for our game streams on Twitch at twitch.tv slash readwatchplay. Are we okay? Yeah, just for sound check. All right, cool. Uh, hi, everyone. This is Read, Watch, Play. I'm Cleo. And I'm alone <laughs> today. I will be doing this entire episode solo. 
I'm Justin. <laughs> and I'm James. <laughs> and today, or, well, yeah, on this episode, we will be covering... Oh, yeah, it's me. Uh, <laughs> Ultra Carbon, written by Richard K. Morgan. Blade Runner, directed by Ridley Scott. And Gemini Rue by Wadget Eye Games. Ta-da. I think we should just roll from there. <laughs> <laughs>